six. You're reading Fang's blog. Welcome. Today's date? Already too late. Your visitor number? 972,361,007. Bust it up, Hollywood. For those of you in the LA area, I need to fess up about the major wreckage over at the big Hollywood sign. A million hopefuls have fixated on that sign as a symbol of future movie careers, and I sure do apologize about it being destroyed. But it wasn't my fault. The Gasman, Iggy, and I were minding our own business somewhere in the greater LA area, which extends from Tijuana up to Prismo Beach. And suddenly, out of nowhere, a couple hundred flyboys dropped down on us. How did they know where we were? I always assumed they tracked us either by Max's chip or by Angel's dog, which, as you've probably heard, are no longer with us. So, how'd they know where to find us? Unless one of us three is telling them? Which is impossible, of course. Anyway, like I told you before, Max saw thousands of flyboys back at the school, hanging in rows, charging up. So today, they let a bunch of them go for a test drive. I have to tell you people, those things are fast. They're strong. They can go for a long time without stopping. But smart? Not so much. Gaz, Iggy, and I shot up, fast, from where we'd been innocently hanging out. We're always better off in the air. Of course, jaws dropped, eyes popped, small children screamed, etc., when we suddenly whipped out wings and took flight. I guess we're unusual, even for L.A. The three of us against a couple hundred flyboys? I don't think so. Sure, maybe 60 or even 80, no problem. But not 200. Not even if Max were there. Well, okay, maybe if Max were there. Maybe the 200. But she wasn't there. Anyway, Gaz, Iggy, and I instinctively implemented a tried-and-true plan of action, Plan Delta, which we've used any number of times and have it down to an art. Basically, it means run like hell. Or rather, fly like hell. We flew. We zipped out of there like lightning. The flyboys don't seem to have altitude problems. They followed us easily up into 747 cruising altitude, where even I was getting a little short of breath. Like the erasers, they're not too nimble, but they're wicked fast and scarily strong. One of Iggy's newest explosives took out about 50 of them, and sorry to all those folks showered by bits of flyboy metal and flesh matrix down at that MTV party on the beach. The rest of them tore after us, and we couldn't outrun them. Then I saw the Hollywood Hills. We flew right for the sign and, at the very, very last second, screamed into a direct vertical climb. I mean, my belt buckle scraped one of the letters. But the three of us made it, shooting straight up like rockets. The flyboys were not so fortunate. One after another, they plowed right into the sign, setting off electrical charges that shorted them out and made quite a few of them explode like metallic furry popcorn. And if you think that's a gross description, be glad you weren't there being pelted by the little pieces. I think only about six or seven of them managed to avoid the carnage, and I have no idea what happened to them. After we'd busted our sides laughing, we blew out of there, and now we're in hiding. Again. Us, roughly two hundred. Hard to tell with all the parts flying. Them, zero. Take that, you white coach schmucks. Now you owe California a new Hollywood sign. Fang. Somewhere in the West. Chapter 67 
post a comment on Thing's blog. Busted up Hollywood. 108 comments. Cool dude 326 said, Oh man, Fang, that's so awesome. I mean, when you guys popped all the flyboys, I would have been busting my gut too. Keep flying, man. San Diego. 11.51 a.m. Sugar Girl said, Dear Fang, I'm so glad you're alright. I hate those flyboys and I hope they all crash and burn. If you need a place to stay in Roanoke, Virginia, just email me. 12.14 p.m. Heather said, We should all make posses and search everywhere for the labs and school and stuff. There are millions and millions of kids in the world, and we can fix what the grown-ups have polluted and destroyed. Landfills and oil slicks and endangered species and wiping out forests and driving gas hogs and not caring about the environment and not caring about animals. Their time of destroying everything is over. It's time for green kids to unite. Heather Schmidt, President, Green Kids for a Greater Planet dot org. 12.57 p.m. Street Fighter said, Us kids got to take over the planet. The grown-ups have wrecked everything. They're destroying the whole planet. The kids should run everything. They want us to be quiet. We won't be quiet no more. Brooklyn. 1.20 p.m. Chin Wei said, Fang, I was wondering, do you have a girlfriend? Hong Kong. P.S. I'm 15 years old, but I look younger. 2.40 p.m. Carlos said, I say we burn all the science labs. Make all grown-ups into slaves. Texas. 3.07 p.m. Anonymous said, No, Carlos, that's stupid. We need science. Science isn't bad by itself. It's just bad when bad people use it to do bad things. We can do good things with science, like feed the world. I don't want to make all grown-ups slaves. My parents are grown-ups, but they're all right. Concerned Future Scientist, Louisiana, 4.21 p.m. Adid said, I'm afraid the grown-ups are going to destroy our planet. I want them to stop. I wish they would use science to make better crops and more rain. Instead of bombs, they should make more school books for children. Uganda, 4.26 p.m. Cobra said, Fang, I think I saw you guys flying. You was over my uncle's deli in Lincoln Park. Chicago, 5.27 p.m. Dita said, I can't believe you and Max split up. You guys should stick together. Now I'm even more worried about all of you. Be extra careful. Mumbai, 6.08 p.m. Sean said, Fang, I want to be a bird kid. I don't care what it takes. I would go through anything to be able to fly with the flock. Tell me when... Tell me where to meet you. I want to join you today. Manchester, England. 6.35pm. Sue P. said, I want to join too. I would love to have wings, but I think it's too late for me. It would hurt. But I will fight for you on the ground. Just tell me where and when. Palm Beach. 6.38 p.m. Fang turned off the computer after waiting through thousands of messages like these. Max didn't think the blog could help, but he was sure it could. He bet he could raise an army of a hundred thousand ordinary kids who might be brave and committed, but who would have zero fighting skills and would quickly be slaughtered. He sighed and lay back, resting his head on one arm. This leader stuff sucked. 
Chapter 68 My mini-flock was doing all right, thanks to Angel. For future reference, here are some things you can do if you're a six-year-old genetic anomaly with the ability to control other people's minds. 1. Get business class tickets for yourself and three other genetic anomalies, plus a dog, on British Airways. 2. Convince airport security that your talking Scotty is a service dog, and therefore allowed everywhere, including the ladies' room, which, frankly, I was not thrilled about. Number 3. Make people not really notice the hulking, butt-ugly, damaged eraser loping at your side. Number 4. Once on board, help people think it's normal for a dog to get his own seat and meals. Number 5. Arrange for each of us to have three meals at a time. First-class meals. Not that crap they serve to the poor schmucks in economy. Total, I whispered. People have to pass you to get to the bathroom. Quit growling. Sorry, he muttered. They're getting too close to my steak. Speaking of which, could you cut it into little pieces? I leaned over and quickly cut the steak on Total's tray. I saw Angel grinning at me, and I couldn't help grinning back. Yes, my flock had been split apart. Half of my family was AWOL. We were homeless and on the run, as per usual. We were going to a strange place with no idea what to do once we got there, and we were trapped in a big sardine can with a bunch of strangers who I was praying weren't erasers or white coats. Nice chairs, Ari said, patting the arms with his clawed, oversized paws. This is kind of fun, said Angel. She gave a little bounce in her seat and started flicking through her movies on demand. Max? Nudge whispered from across the aisle. Do you think these people are okay? She nodded back at the other passengers. I hope so, I said, keeping my voice down. But I'm not positive. I wouldn't put it past them for this all to be a setup, and we're surrounded by white coats who are going to turn on us. But Angel hasn't picked up on anything, like no evil intent coming from anyone on the plane. So I'm hoping it's okay. I've never been on a plane, Nudge said. None of us have. It's kind of weird, huh? Yeah, it's really comfortable. These chairs turn into beds, you know? And the little TV, and the magazines, and the food, and people getting you stuff. I nodded. We were pretty dang pampered. I mean, compared with our usual glamorous life of sleeping in subway tunnels and eating out of trash cans. But it seems weird to be up in the air and not... outside, you know? And I miss... She stopped, biting her lip. Me too, I said quietly. But I'm sure they're fine, and I'm sure we'll see them again soon. Because I was going to track them down like dogs after my mission was over. I was going to rag on a fang about this for the rest of his life. He couldn't get rid of me that easily. I hope nothing goes wrong with this plane, Nudge whispered. It seems kind of unnatural for a machine to be, like, up in the air. I don't get how it's staying up. It's got big, honking engines on it, I said, decisively clarifying the situation for her in my leaderly way. But I tell you what, if something happens to this plane, the four of us would be the ones who make it. Nudge's face cleared. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Now, rest up before our British invasion. Chapter 69 Cushy seven-hour respite aside, it was time to get down to business once we landed at London's Heathrow Airport. We'd gone the whole flight without anyone turning into an eraser and attacking us. 
and the plane hadn't dropped out of the sky like a lead weight, so it was an excellent start. For a few moments after we got off, I paused, hoping that maybe the voice would cut me a break and give clear and followable instructions. But no. The voice was MIA, and we were on our own. Which was fine. I'd gotten us all this far. The voice was a recent phenomenon, and as far as I was concerned, it could stay gone. Okay, I said, clapping my hands. My mini-flock gathered around me. The first thing we should do is find an internet cafe, get on the web, and Google iTechs in England. Even if we don't find them by name, we'll probably see other links that can help us. Whoa, whoa, hold the phone, said Total. We're in London. Are you telling me we're not going to go see the Crown Jewels? And the Tower of London? Angel added. Ooh, look, Madame Tussaud, Nudge said, pointing at a poster on a kiosk. We've got to go there. Once again, I was nonplussed by my flock's ability to completely put aside the fact that we were fighting for our lives. Fighting for the lives of the entire world. Frowning, I pressed on. Itex probably has its main offices in the suburbs, not right in the city. Buckingham Palace. Ari startled me by saying, with the guys in the funny fur hats. Yeah, yeah, Buckingham Palace. Nudge agreed without looking at him. I drew in a breath, ready to start issuing commands. You know, when you're right, that's all you get to be, said the voice. What the heck does that mean? I asked, irritated. Buckingham Palace, Nudge explained. Where the Queen lives, and Mr. Queen. No, no, not you, I muttered. I leaned against the wall and closed my eyes for a second. You want to explain that? I thought. Or is that one of those kung fu cones I'm supposed to meditate on at the top of a mountain? Um. Max? Angel asked. Do you have a headache? She sounded worried. No, I'm okay. I said. Give me a minute and keep an eye out. My flock waited patiently, unlike me. I was ready to rake my fingernails down the wall. Yes, you should pursue your mission, said the voice, miraculously answering me. But you haven't learned how to balance your leadership. You have to lead, but you must also listen. And just let them do whatever they want? I demanded silently. Max, they're children. They're just along for the ride. A strong leader can bend sometimes. I opened my eyes. Fine, we'll take a tour, hit the hot spots. Angel, get us on one of those double-decker bus tour things. Okay. She agreed happily, while Nudge punched the air. We headed for the ground transportation area. I want to ride on top, Turtle said, trotting at Angel's side. But in Max's jacket, cause it's cold. Oh, yay, I said, so no one could hear me. You're wrong, voice, I thought. They're kids, but they're not just along for the ride. I need every one of them if I'm going to succeed. Chapter 70 Those aren't the real jewels. I was certain of it. There was no way they could just have the real crown jewels of England hanging out in a glass case where anyone could knock it over. They're so beautiful, Nudge breathed, leaning as close to them as she could. The Imperial State Crown. Golly, I would love to have a crown like that. And I was so sure she would get her wish, 
because bizarre science experiments so often became crowned heads of state. Jeez. Get a load of the scepter, Toto whispered. How do you like that rock? It says they're real, said Angel, pointing to a placard. That's the real Cullinan diamond. I like the orb. What, and the queen just comes and gets them when she's going to parliament? I scoffed. I turned to Ari. What does that other sign say? On your side. Ari looked at me, and, just for a second, he was almost recognizable as the little boy who used to follow me around so long ago. His face flushed, highlighting the scars that had pretty much healed over. Don't know, he said, turning away. Can't read. Let's go to Madame Tussaud, said Total. We must. I don't know who any of these famous people are, said Angel, once we were inside Tussaud. We were moving around a room full of wax celebrities, and, frankly, the only way I would have been more uncomfortable was if I had rocks in my shoes. For those of us who grew up being subjected to evil scientists' tests, walking around lifelike figurines who could leap out at us at any second was totally unnerving. I was watching the figurines like a hawk. Get it? Little flock humor for you there. Waiting for someone's eyes to move, someone's chest to rise and fall with breathing. So far, none of them had budged. Which didn't mean none of them would. Me neither, said Nudge, sounding disappointed. Me neither, said Ari. Next to all of these smooth wax figurines, his rough features and voice stood out like a brick in a jewelry case. Um, I think this one's Brad Pitt, I said, pointing. Who knew he was this tall? Who's Brad Pitt? Angel asked. Total tisked and scratched behind one ear with a hind leg. Only a world-famous movie star, he said. Read a paper sometimes, will ya? I let out a breath. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to get on board with the whole sightseeing thing, but this place is giving me the willies. Is that the technical term? Asked Total. The willies? Yes, I said. Anyway, one of these suckers is going to move, and then I'm going to take the whole room out. I have to get out of here. Oh, thank God, said Nudge. I hate this place. Me too, said Angel. Total shook his head, looking disgusted. You people. This is modern culture. Chapter 71 Next up, the Itex Corporation. The major industrial giant that seemed to be behind all the recombinant DNA experiments, as well as the Re-Evolution Plan, also known as the Bi-Half Plan, and who knew how many other lunatic plans of mass destruction and mayhem. Basically, the last place any of us would ever, ever want to go voluntarily. The place we had to go. Their office was in... Threadgill on Thames? Nudge read carefully. It sounds like a Tweed theme park, said Angel. It's pronounced Thames, Total said, licking one paw. Can I have another potato chip? I passed him a newspaper cone full of hot fried fish and french fries. Those wacky Brits called their fries chips. And potato chips were crisps. And cookies were biscuits. I had no idea what real biscuits were called. Wang doodles? And the vinegar? Total asked. I sprinkled vinegar on it for him, then looked at the map again. The internet cafes we'd found were for people with their own computers. 
Since Fang had taken our computer, we'd had to go to a library. Of course, we'd found that iTex was everywhere, with branches in 14 cities throughout the United Kingdom. But the main office seemed to be about a 30-minute flight from London, west-southwest. I like fish and chips, Ari said. They're yummy. Uh-huh, I said distractedly, tracing a line on the map. I still couldn't believe I had to go kill the dragon without Fang by my side. He had abandoned me, Nudge, and Angel. Was he so pissed about Ari that he didn't care if we lived or died? Did he think his blog was really going to solve everything? It's not like a bunch of angry kids with pitchforks and torches were going to end Itex's reign of terror. The word terror suddenly made me think about when Gazzy told those FBI guys his name was Captain Terror. My eyes were hot and itchy in a flash, and I had trouble swallowing. Gazzy, Iggy, I miss them so much. I'd had dreams about them all night and woke up convinced something bad would happen to them and I wouldn't be able to help. I was going to kill Fang. That was totally on my list, right after Save the World. Jerk. Cretan. Oh god. He was part of me. He was in my blood. My blood was in him. Literally. How could he have done this? I glanced over at where Ari was drawing the last of his french fries through a mound of ketchup, his too large hand making it look like a toothpick. I'd been watching him carefully, and so far he seemed loyal, sincere, not acting suspiciously. But what if I really had made my worst mistake? I know what you're thinking. Of course you didn't, Max. It was Fang. He made the mistake. And yes, we all know that my making mistake is very, very rare exceedingly rare. Still, I was going to keep an eye on Ari. Max? Nudge was looking at me. Earth to Max. Huh? What? We're going to fly there, right? Nudge asked, pointing to a thread jill on Tim's on the map. Like, fly fly? Not plane fly, right? I glanced out the window. We'll go as soon as the sun sets. In the meantime, anyone want more tea? Yeah, I'll have some, said Total. Of course. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Ride bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Olivet Marky, and I am gonna move this weekend, so there may or may not be an episode next week. I'll see how my schedule pans out, but I think think I should have time to record an episode? I don't know. We'll see. If there's an episode, I had time. If there's not, I didn't. So, we'll see. But yeah, I don't have any announcements besides that. No messages. So, we will roll right into the recommendation. This week's recommendation is the podcast Love and Luck. It is an audio drama told through voicemails about this queer couple and their romance story together. It's very cute. Little bit of a spoiler, they get a queer cafe together, and it is incredibly cute. I highly recommend this one if you're into, like, coffee shop AUs and, like, fanfiction and stuff. It's just very, very cute. Uh, There are some parts that are kind of trigger-worthy, I guess, but they do a good job of putting warnings before every episode that has that kind of content. So, that podcast is Love and Luck, and I will link it in the show notes.
Okay, other than that, we have all the normal stuff. Like, if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or you can hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. Also, if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you. Alrighty, I think that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. Mm -hmm.